Hey, what's going on, family? This is the real word. This is your boy, Pastor Santa Camo, and I'm with my brother. What's up, y'all? This is your co-host, Ricard Gina Well. We welcome second episode of the real word. Shout out to everybody that's been watching. Shout out to everybody that's been supporting. Shout out to everybody that has helped us to get the, this far within everything that we're doing. Um, today we got a special guest. Introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Sophia Ginoel. I'm Ricard's sister. <laughs> shout out to Sophia, my sister, for coming on the show for the first time. Um, shout out to Santa Camo. Um, and shout out to the real word because today we dropped a special flyer. Tell the people about the flyer, Sanders. So basically last year we gave about um we gave about two thousand boxes last year at um Jordan River SDA Church. Um this year we want to take it to the next level. We're asking that Everybody who I want to just say this first and foremost before I continue, um, uh, uh, a Christian is is one who exhibits the love of God, and and not only exhibits the love of God but also um, exhibit the love that they share with others and everything like that. So I feel like with everything that's been going on, we need to show the love of God through action. Love is action. So we're doing this because love is action. So. What we did last year, what we, that's what we did, 2,000 boxes. This year, we want to give out 60,000 boxes of diapers, um, 10,000 for each size. We also want 20,000 um, baby formula, and we want to raise about 90 grand. And we, what we would love you to do is we would love everybody to use their social media platform, whether it be Facebook, whether it be Instagram, to put your a video up in regards to telling people what we have done, and also to um, to let people know, listen, look, you want to support us because this thing right here is is bigger than me and Ricard. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ, showing the gospel. So I'm asking that everybody may may do that, and it's about to go down. We're gonna bless the Bronx first, so let's let's do that. Mm. So to all the people that saying sixty thousand boxes, that's kind of a lot. What do you say to those people that's saying that? Well, I say that when Jesus was on earth, he blessed the multitudes. Mm. So we're here to bless the multitude. We started with 2,000. We want to take it to the next level. And like I said, you know, we'll definitely have a couple of concerts coming up. And like I said, you know, with food, of course, you know, and mm. good music so we can raise money. But we need to do this because at the end of the day, you know, Trump is, is using his volumes to, to spew hate and violence and racism mm. why not us we use we use our voice to speak um the love of god through action so that's what we want to do yeah last year we was able to raise a thousand dollars so shout out to everybody that donated the gofundme is www.gofundme.com backslash the real word like right behind us so it's www.gofundme.com backslash the real word or you could hit up me or sanders in person or over the phone and you could donate to the, you could donate to us in person. Either give us cash, check, money order, PayPal. You know, we take all forms of payment. And everything that we do with your money, we're going to submit proof of that. Um, we're currently in the process of attaining the 501c3 yes. status. Um, the 90 days should be up in August. So once we get that, we're going to start hiring and empowering our own people because that's what we have to do. Right, Sanders? That's right. But enough about us. Tell the people about yourself, Sophia. Tell them about a little bit about what you do and everything else. Okay, so I am a special education teacher. I teach in Brooklyn. 
Um, this year I taught fifth grade special ed. During the summer I'm currently teaching second grade special ed, which is way different from the group of students I had from during the school year. So the students that I have currently, um, I do have a lot of students who are severely autistic and they also have Down syndrome, which at first, you know, I wasn't ready for the challenge, but it has made me into a stronger educator. Wow. Um, I have been teaching all together for almost 10 years. Um, most of my background is in special education. Wow. But um, I have taught early childhood and general education in the past. Oh. I, I, I want to ask you a question. What, what do you enjoy most about teaching? Um, I guess just seeing my students succeed because working with students who have disabilities, they do have to overcome many milestones. And um, just the littlest things as just seeing them move up a reading level or just being able to walk to the bathroom by themselves and just complete a writing assignment without myself or the paraprofessionals in the classroom helping them. Um, that is That helps me to celebrate um, the change that I've made in their lives as an educator. Amazing. So I guess that is the powerful moments for me is when even if I don't get out accolade from my administrators, but knowing that my students succeed, it makes me very proud. Mm. So why did you pick this field? Because as you said, it's a challenging field, even um, with the children and the place that you work and with the system itself, it could be challenging. So why pick that field out of all fields? Um, well, I enjoy working with children. It's definitely a passion of mine. And growing up, I used to tell the children's story in church. And everyone used to say that I would become a singer, I mean, a teacher. But at, the same, but at that time, I said, no, I, I wanted to become a singer. But um, eventually, just having the passion to just work with children, um, I decided that was probably the best career path for me to take. And special ed, I decided to focus um, in the field of special education because Again, I feel that if I need to make a change in the world, not only do I have to start with the younger generation, but I also need to start with those who can't really help themselves. And just if I can work with that particular population and I can get them to get somewhere in life and just to be successful, then I would be able to make a greater change in the world. That's amazing. And let me ask you a question. Do you feel that you you made a lot of changes? Listen, I did, before we continue, I want to let you know that you're doing a phenomenal job. Oh, thank you. That's number one. <laughs> That's number one. You're doing a phenomenal job. You're doing a good job. So you're doing great and everything like that. So the people love you. Oh, and you know, you. you know, we all love you. You know, your brother loves you. You know, I love you. So you're doing a good job. <laughs> so you got nothing to worry about. I got to just keep it real. You feel me? So we're not trying to put you on blast, nothing like that. We just want to let you know. You're doing good. But I wanted to ask you, um, sure. do you feel that since you've been working that you made a difference? Have you seen that you made a difference? Um, yes, I definitely okay. think so. I believe that I have. Um, and the reason how I know is because I started out teaching third grade um, with a group of students. And then at the end of third grade, their parents asked, well, can you teach them for fifth grade? I mean, for fourth grade. So I moved up with them from from third grade, I was their teacher. Then their parents asked if I could also teach them for fourth grade. So I had them for fourth grade. Wow. And then at the end of fourth grade, their parents asked, well, can you teach them again for fifth grade? So I what? had those same group of kids for fifth grade. Yes. Ah, so, how did you feel about that? <laughs> how did you feel? I mean, it was easy because then um, I didn't really have to worry about um, just getting them ready for the school year. It was just a matter of, okay, let's just continue. They knew what my expectations were. 
so it wasn't as much of a challenge. But um, it was good. It was good. And then when they graduated wow. at the end of this year, they graduated and um, they're moving on to middle school, which was bittersweet. You know, it was great because then I got to see them just grow throughout the three years that we were together. But then now I'm like, what do I do with myself? Because I've had the same group of students since they were in third grade. So That's amazing. That's what's up. So how is it working in Brooklyn? Because we know Brooklyn children sometimes because of the atmosphere that they're in, um, the environment, it also affects them. So how are children in Brooklyn? Um, well, where I work is very diverse. So I would say um, it is different from when I taught on Long Island. Um, teaching at New York City Public School is definitely different. But at this particular school where I work, the parents are very involved, which is great. Um, they are active in their child's education. but when I taught in East New York, the parents weren't as involved and that was definitely a challenge because many times I found myself stepping in into the mommy role. So I would say that um, as educators, when you go into the field of education, you know, think of it as, you know, you're entering of the life of a child to make a difference. It's not just about getting a paycheck, but understand as an educator, you have to make a change, and I think when we decide to become teachers, I think that should be our main goal. Just to, especially, you know, being from Brooklyn myself, um, I believe that that's my calling to definitely make a change where I am from, and I just sit back and say, you know, well, there's so many things wrong with Brooklyn. There's so many things going on. You know, you have children in the streets smoking drugs and doing whatever, but I'm not doing anything about it. So I think um, this is where I had to take the initiative. So. I think as long as like, you connect with your students and you believe in them and you build that relationship, then you'll have a successful school year. And honestly, I love teaching and the children are fine. They're great. Shout to C.L. Sparks. He said, parental involvement is most imperative to the success of children. So do you agree with him that the parents being involved is the most important thing? I definitely agree with him. Um, parental involvement is a big step many times parents will leave it up to the teachers to do everything and parents don't come up to parents at your conferences mm. they're like they don't need to be there but what parents fail to understand is that education starts at home mm. like you have to play an active role in your child's education and when parents are involved in their child's education it makes their children want to learn more because then it's like if i don't get my act together if the teacher contacts my mom or my dad i know that i'll get it so they if 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 children know that their parents are as serious about their education as they are I think that we would have more great achievers. So I definitely agree with him. Parent involvement is the key. Mm. So why do you think some parents are not involved? Because I guess we could say that a lot of parents are distracted by the everyday hustle and bustle, as in yeah. they're waking up five, six in the morning, they're rushing to work, they wanna, um, they don't wanna have to deal with these things, so they drop off their kids and they go to school so they don't have to deal with all of that. So what do you think of that? Um, I completely agree. Most of the challenges that um, I think that uh, parents do want to be involved. Many times the students, they come from a single parent household and um, not just a single parent household, but also from low socioeconomic status households. Right. So most of the time it's just the mother and her children. So if you have a mom who's working hard to make ends meet for her child or for her children, 
it's very difficult for her to be up at the school, to be involved, to be there, to volunteer at our bake sales or at our book fairs or even attend parent-teacher conferences because she might be a home health aide working an eight-hour shift. So even though parent involvement is important, as educators, we do have to understand that you have parents who they want to try, they want to be there for their children, but at the same time, they want to provide for their children financially. And many times, sadly, they have to make the choice of staying at work instead of being present at their child's school. That doesn't say that they don't care and that they do not want to be involved, but at the end of the day, they need to be able to put food on the table. They need to be able to provide a home, and they also need to be able to make sure that they provide their, their child or their children with the basic needs that that are required for their survival. So you're saying that there's a big difference in the children that coming to school that lives in two-parent households versus the kids that live in a one-parent household? Yeah, so from what I've seen is that the students coming from a two-parent household, many times the parents are involved. Um, I had a student this year where if her dad couldn't make it to a parent-teacher conference or to a school event, her mom made it. Like they worked, they did it around their work schedules to be able to um, be there for their child. But um, on the other hand, I had another student whose mom had to work. He had about five brothers. And even though she couldn't make it up to the school, um, I used something called Class Dojo to communicate with the parents where uh, I will update them daily about their child's progress and just to keep them informed. And this parent would just be on Class Dojo, just constantly communicating with me. So while she was at work, she was still in communication with me and that was still active parent involvement. Mm. Um, we have a comment, um, CL Starks again. Some parents are overwhelmed and are not well educated themselves on how to navigate the school system. Um, so I guess it's a generational thing. Do you believe so? Where there's a lot of uneducated parents and this is one of the, like, I'll give you an example. Um, a lot of families, this is the first generation of their family that's going to college. Mm. So do you believe that? Um, I do believe that and I do agree um, in terms of what he's saying that many times the parents aren't educated themselves. So. Um, yes, many times the parents, they're unaware of how the school system works, what resources are available to them, mm -hmm. and what questions to ask in order to, in order to be um, a better support system to their child. Mm -hmm. Also, um, when I send home homework, there are parents who do struggle with the math because the math, the math curriculum now is not the same math curriculum that they learned when they were growing up. Yeah. It's not the same math curriculum that I learned when I was growing up. So many yeah. times, sometimes I have to go on YouTube or on um, brain pop and teach it to myself and find multiple ways to do the math before I teach it to the students. So um, I find it that if if we can also educate the parents, then we would also be able to help the students. So at my school, we have like parent workshops. Um, usually every month, it'll be a different topic. Um, sometimes we'll educate the parents about the IEP process, which is the Individualized Educational Plan for Students with Disabilities. What are the different components of the IEP? What they need to know if they attend an IEP meeting, something they don't understand, they have to speak up. We do offer translators. So the more that the parents know, then the more they can be actively involved as part of educating the parents. Just letting them know what resources are available. If just, you know, communicating with them and telling them, well, if you don't understand something, you know, I have an open line of communication with the parents. So they know that if they need to reach out to me, they can use Class Dojo anytime. They can shoot me an email. Um, they can call the school, and then if I am available, the secretary does put them through. If I'm not available at that time and I'm teaching, 
then they, they'll leave me a message and then I'll call them back when I get a chance. Mm. So I completely agree with that. Shout out to all the people watching. I see Dave on the check-in. I see my cousin from Florida, Lynn Lewis Jacques. Um, I have my other cousin, Katia Doorsville, watching. Um, shout out to everybody that's watching. Um, you were saying a situation where you as a teacher have to learn the new math because the math changed. Um, most I, 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 how does the, how did the, how did the math change from what we had? Okay, so currently we're using a curriculum called Sing Singapore, Singapore Math, I believe it is. And um, it's not about getting the answer, it's about how you get the answer. So the big thing right now is like, okay, if you know, okay, two plus two, you could be like, all right, it's four. But they might make you do it one plus one equals, and then you got to do one plus one again, and then for you to get to that four. So it's not just about just getting the answer, but it's about how you get the answer. So right now they're pushing the, the children to become critical thinkers, you know, where it's almost like college readiness, you know. Where, wow. where, so that's what they're doing, like even with the Common Core Standards, even though we're going to be moving away from the Common Core Standards soon, but it's all about college readiness. It's not just about, okay, well, this is what you're doing for right now, but they want to push the students to um, develop um, academically in the long run where they'll be able to thrive more and be more contributing members to our this society. Is, and this is public, basically. This is public school. Even in kindergarten, they're finding ways to teach them algebra. Even what? in first grade, yeah, they're teaching them like little different ways to go about it. Like it's not as complicated as we do it um, when we get to like middle or high school. But um, I taught fifth grade last this year, and um, I was just looking at the math. They had to do pre-algebra. You know, when we did a squared plus b squared equals c squared, like they they had a version of that that they had to learn how to do. And mind you, I teach special ed, so I had to find a way for them to understand that math because even with basic addition, subtraction, multiplication, they struggle. So only imagine them trying to do the algebra. Yeah, but if you look at it nowadays, the kids nowadays are smarter than than the people before. That's a fact. Um, an example of that is is that my mother, she still doesn't know how to use the computer, but then um, there's kids that's two, three years old that knows how to use a cell phone that could unlock a cell phone by themselves, go on, go on YouTube, watch videos, Download games, bro. Even, 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 even like, like maybe like one, one years old. They on it, bro. Yeah. One years old, I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, That's crazy. I was watching The Incredibles the other day, and then same thing that you were saying. How the father, his son came home with his father, and, and his son was like, Dad, help me with my math. And then he looked at the math, and he was like, This is not the math that I learned when I was growing up. There's a whole different math, and he had to teach himself the math in order to help his son with the math. I remember growing up, my, my, my parents were immigrants, right? And, and a lot of the stuff that we were learning in school, they didn't really understand. And even if they did, they weren't able to translate it to make us understand. So we had to get a tutor. Um, shout out to past, well, Dr. Jean, Dr. Pastor Jean-Jude Loss, who was our tutor growing up. He did a good job. Um, I know he's going for his PhD now. Um, so shout out to him because he used to come over and teach us math and 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 tutor us for free. So so shout out to shout out to um Doctor <laughs> Pastor Jean Gide lost on that. Um, I know eventually when my kids get older, I'm gonna have to teach the math, and I haven't been good at math myself. I remember when I started college, I had to do the um pre-algebra 
the remedial math class that you got to do, and if you fail it too many times, they kick you out of college. <laughs> I had to do that before I was able to move on in college, and then I had to do algebra too when I did my bachelor's, so that's something that I'm going to have to eventually learn. And even for master's degree, it's probably going to come up too. Um, shout out to my other cousin, Claudine. I see you on the check-in. Shout out to everybody that's Hi, watching. Claudine. There's a couple, there's a couple family members watching, so shout out to them. Um, Sanders, Sanders, mm -hmm. in regards to the new school system, last week we had another professor, well, a doctor. She was a teacher. We had two teachers last week, yeah. um, and they were talking about the difference. And one of them was actually your teacher, right? Yeah. And you said that she helped instill things in you that still care that you still carry definitely on, on i mean like i said day. um starting from miss um well i gotta give a shout out to a couple of teachers i gotta give a shout out to miss janet my kindergarten teacher um who's our principal she was my teacher from kindergarten in first grade i gotta give a shout out to miss um miss uh miss desjoie miss Steele, mr bookbinder mr paul phil mr bookbinder so they call it mr. <laughs> mr paul phil um after that mr paul phil Wait, wait, this is with my dad, Mr. Paulfield, twice, fifth and sixth. I had seventh grade, I had Ms. Gato, and eighth grade, I had Mr. Dubois. But I want to give a shout uh, out to You remember to, all of them. Yeah, I remember all of them because they all had, an, you know, they all saw something in me, you know what I'm saying, that I didn't see in myself. They saw the writer in me, they saw the speaker in me, they saw that I would have been great. And like I said, I didn't really use my full potential in regards to the classroom because I was so much in La La Land. I was so much in La La Land writing rhymes and, you know, and it makes sense, you know what I'm saying, writing rhymes and, you know, having imagination. You know, I still have imagination, but have imagination in regards to creating things. So, but I always remember that they always saw something in me. And what's so amazing is when, you know, like I said, you know, they do research, you know, before you go visit, they'll be like, oh yeah, we know about you. We know that you're a pastor. We know that you went to school to become a pastor. We see what you do and everything like that. You know, people talk. You know what I'm saying? People talk. So, like I said, you know, um, you know, and they, they, they tell me, listen, we always knew you was going to be something great. We knew you was, was going to go far. And we know that you're going to go further. So, I want to shout out to all the teachers. And, and I believe teachers should get six figures for what they do. Because they do a lot. They, they basically... Um, instill the minds of kids to becoming productive citizens of society. So I want to just thank all the teachers out there. And what I remember about her, because she used to be like a substitute, but she would do the writing sometimes. Um, she would um, ask us to use um, different, um, different, cre she would, she would, different creative challenges of writing. Creative writing. creative writing challenges and everything like that and she was amazing um at what she did and um she was superb so i had no complaints in that in the classroom of course she was you know rough and and strong you know what i'm saying but she also was sweet at the same time but she made us become the people that we are today so because of her a lot of people who are here are here today you know what i'm saying those who didn't listen unfortunately circumstances happen so Life is all about choices, you know, and with the choices that you make, you either get good consequences or bad consequences. It's the result of the choices that you make, so that's how I look at it at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. that's so, so. Mm -hmm. so, Sophia, um, how has your faith assisted you in your profession? 
Um, okay, so as a teacher, you go through many challenges, you do. You don't just go through challenges with the students and just making sure that they learn and finding different ways to modify and differentiate the curriculum to their best ability, but you also have to deal with your administrators, you also have to deal with other coworkers. And um, this year, I was fortunate to have a, um, a good group of students. But last year, I did have a child in my class who was very, um, he was difficult. And um, I remember just finding, trying to find different ways to just um, help him to not just understand the work that we're doing, but just to keep him engaged in the classroom. And it was very difficult, and I remember times just praying and just asking God to just help me because not only was this child difficult, but his mother was also difficult, and um, his mother had a bone to pick with administration, so she made it difficult for myself and the parent professionals who were in the classroom because she was trying to find a way to get to administration. And then um, I remember just praying about it and just um, just... I would write my tithe and offering, and then I would also um, just give a special, an, another special offering to God and just asking him just to help this mother to be understanding and just to help her to understand also that when she makes it difficult for us, she's also making it difficult for the child. Because I remember one time he came to school and he told us, he said that he has to um, be bad today because so he was just looking for different ways to just antagonize everybody on behalf of his mother and I remember just praying I kept my anecdotal notes and um, I even came up with a behavior plan so you know I basically had all my T's crossed and all my I's dotted and then when we had the um, evaluation for him and then we had the IEP meeting based on the data and the evidence that just want to make sure that somebody just gave you a shout out. Oh. First, I said this guest is very knowledgeable <laughs> with topic of education and she'll continue to be the advocate that she is to our children. Respect. Oh, thank you so much. Thank I told you. you. Thank you. I told you. Continue. <laughs> All right. So since I had, um, I kept everything in a folder and wow. um, I had every plan that I came up for this, came up with for this child in regards to their disability. And um, the information that I collected was very valuable during the meeting that we had with administrators and with his mom and the rest of the um, staff members who were present. And so it was determined that he has to go to um, a different type of setting, a District 75 school, where they could better suit his needs. So it was, it was not just me collecting the information that we needed in order for this person to um, receive the services, but it was also the fact that I prayed. and. I couldn't have made those decisions and have known to like, okay, well, I need to do this, I need to do that without praying and just, you know, asking God to guide me. So, so basically, um, how did they feel in regards to re um, the school, um, the administrators feel in regards to redistrict? Um, how did they feel about that, the decision? Um, they felt that we did what was best for the child. Um, at first, the mother was very hesitant because she said she had heard negative things about District 75 school. And, um, but she put herself in that situation. Right. But we encouraged her to check out the different schools. Um, we provided her with a list of schools to just, you know, go look at it. We said to her, like, this is not setting stone. Um, he, it's not permanent. He doesn't have to go there. Just go look. Just go see. And if you like one of the schools, okay. If you feel it's not right for you right now, okay, we'll keep him at our school. We'll continue doing our best with him. But, you know, just go check it out. And um, we, uh, we also have a school psychologist and a social worker attend with her. So 
she ended up picking a school. We were just like, thank God. <laughs> but um, that was the best environment for him because um, sometimes we just have to do what's best for the child. You know, I know parents don't like for their child to be classified as special needs. They feel like it's a bad stigma. But at the same time, if you're not doing what's right for your child academically, socially, then you're doing an, an injustice to your child and they're not going to be successful. Mm. But they rebrand the name. They don't call it special ed anymore, right? No, as students with disabilities, um, even the different classifications like mental, you can't say that a child is retarded. It's intellectually delayed now. So it's just... Intelli intellectually delayed? Yeah, intellectually delayed. Oh, they call it intellectually delayed. Right. So they're That's not... a fancy word for slow. <laughs> so wow. they're not calling them... Because, you know, if someone calls you mentally retarded, that's very offensive. Yeah, so You of can course. only imagine calling a child mentally retarded. So, so it's, he's intellectually delayed. Wow, that's a new word. Intellectually delayed or intellectually challenged. If there's an issue with them with reading and math, you know, they're learning disabled. So you can't say that they're slow. So, yeah. I feel like the That's system real. sometimes they fail these people because if they don't have like a strong family member to look after them, they, a lot of them end up, uh, end up in homeless shelters or in like these adult homes. Because even in, at the place where I work at, there's a lot of people that suffer from mental disabilities that were in special ed when they grew up. And after a while, no one wanted to take them in, they end up homeless. Like, yeah, they get the SSI check, but no one wants to really take them in in the homeless like there was an individual he's probably in his late 20s um he was special in his whole life and now he's like 28 27 he still can't read mm -hmm. and the way i found out that he can't read is because me and him was on the train one time and i was and he was like where where are we going and i pointed out the thing i said right there we're going there and he said where and i said right there he said i can't read that and i'm like if you can't read then how how do you text he said i got the iphone i just pressed the button and I talk, and then it writes out the text for That's me, and it reads it to it, me. It even edits, too. Mm. Yeah, and he was like, I was able to get this far without being able to read, because mm. in school I was retarded, people kept calling me dumb. Mm. And to, to, to deal with that, I used to fight a lot. So that's why sometimes um, when they call them retarded, they get upset and they start fighting people. Mm. And then that causes more conflict and sometimes that causes jail time. And sometimes it just causes people not to want to deal with them. Facts. And sometimes these, these, these people have other mental disabilities. Um, sometimes they suffer from depression. Sometimes they suffer from schizophrenic. Um, a lot of different things, you know. So it's a collection of things. But sometimes it goes back to the parents. Like, you know, um, when, when I was working in the South Bronx, ISIS, that's a high poverty area where majority of the people live under the 200% poverty level. So imagine being poor and then times that by two. So that's like if you got $10 in your wallet and this person got negative 10, you know? So these people sometimes, like, they're, I don't want to say that they're ignorant, but they're mentally challenged in the sense where they'll be pregnant and they'll still be drinking and smoking, you know? And that affects the child. And even in the home, sometimes there's a lot of things going on in the home where there's not a stable family structure, and these things affect the child. Like the child is is, is very aware of what's going on, and then that affects their upbringing to the point where sometimes they're mentally shocked, where they stay in the in the mindset of a child sometimes. Mm. So, what do you think of that? That's real. I, I'm just in an agreement. 
I completely agree because most of the students um, who are in special education do come from low-income housing. They do. Um, they're at the bottom of the poverty line. And um, yes, with regards to what you were just saying, parents will be pregnant and they still do the things that they know they shouldn't do. And those factors do contribute to their child being born with a mental defect or a learning disability. Um, I also see it too where um, I don't want to put the race card out on the table, but I do see it where like a lot of minority students are tracked towards special education. And um, some do it for the check too. Yes, that's what I was about to say. So many times um, the parents will want to put their their children in special education because they want that disability check or they want the... Is the, no, really. It's uh, probably like a couple hundred, like yeah. between six and nine hundred, depending right. on how bad they are. Because there's a grading system, right? Depending on how how bad they are. Mm -hmm. So what happens is um, there's a certain time of the year where... Um, so what happens is there's a certain time of the year where I get all the papers either from the parents or from the secretary and there's papers that I have to fill out um, listing what is the child's disability, um, what is their reading levels, math strengths, writing, so on and so forth and it's funny because you won't really see parents during parent teacher conferences but when they need that paper they're emailing and they're calling you you know and for the recertification? Yeah, they, and then it's funny because like I feel that my goal as a, spe as a special educator or as an educator as, in general is to make sure that students achieve and that they thrive. And one thing that I try to do is declassify students. I don't want them to stay in special education because I think special education should be like a temporary thing. It should just be a security blanket. You know, you need that little help. Okay, we're here to help you, but you shouldn't be in special education throughout your entire educational career. But the thing is, when I try to declassify students, their parents are like, no, they, they could stay. <laughs> and it's like, don't you want to know that your child is doing well? Don't you want to know that your child is able to be in a general ed class, that your child is able to um, perform on the same grade level as their peers, that they don't have to stay in this little 12 to 1, 12 one, one class? Aren't you happy that they're able to move on? And they're like, no, you know, they can stay in the class because they want that check. And again, parents do, do, do they say Adam and they want that check? They don't come out and say it, but then they're like, they need the benefits. When they say they need the benefits, you, I, I know what the parents are trying to say. You know, they want to keep their child in that type of setting because they want to receive the extra funding and the extra benefits that comes with having a child with with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And it's re it's really really sad because then it's like they're holding their own child back. You know. But I did have a parent that's one of, one of those same parents from middle school. I said to her, I said, you know what? Your child is going to middle school. I'm only going to keep them in self-contained in middle school for just math and for, um, for math and ELA. But social studies and science, I think they can go into a general ed class. Look, if it doesn't work out, okay, when you have the next IEP meeting at that school, just tell them that you want them to be in self-contained full-time. But then your child is capable, like she's been doing really well. At graduation, she received three awards and she was happy. You know, so just give her an opportunity to show you what she is capable of doing, that she's a really smart girl, don't hold her back. Yeah, um, shout out to CL Starks again. Um, they said it's called a face-to-face -face letter. Sadly, it's gold to the parents. 
Um, another thing, even when a lot of these people, when they grow up and they have children and they're in these government programs, they have something similar to what you were saying, but it's called an ILP, an independent living plan. And it's basically they get assigned to a social worker now since they're an adult, and the social worker sets up a plan to help them get their life back on track, whether it's is they need assistance with um, financial budgeting, whether they need to be assisted in other programs, whether they need a home health program where someone comes to their home and helps them every day, or whether they need um, housing, for, for instance. So these people, they start off in the system, and then it's almost like they stay in the system for the rest of their lives, sadly. What do you think about that, Sanders? I'm just taking it in, bro. <laughs> I'm just taking it in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, guys, I see a couple people watching. If you have any questions, just drop it on. I'm saying as you had um, a couple of current events, some trending events that you want to speak Definitely about. Definitely. just want to know um, anything else you want to say in regards to your, your, your thoughts. I think you did phenomenal. Well, thank you. No, I think that pretty much wraps it up. You sure? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, basically, um, just wanted to talk about a couple topics. Um, well, right now... Um, they're focusing on Trayvon Martin, and I wanted to know why you think that they're still focused on Trayvon Martin. Why are they still talking about Trayvon Martin? Why is Trayvon Martin still relevant today? Just wanted to ask you guys that. Um, I could start off. Um, the executive producer of this film is Jay Z. Um, we know Jay Z. Um, shout out to Jay Z. He's one of the black leaders within our community at this point, and he's finally using his platform for something positive. I could say. Um, he's bringing light to a situation where we did not fully get all the answers, where um, we see an older gentleman was exonerated of any wrongdoing and of any crime. He did not even receive a manslaughter charge. And, uh, and a situation where he stalked, he basically stalked a young man. a manslaughter charge. That's he, true. He stalked a young, a young boy that had ice, that was armed with um, Arizona iced tea and some Skittles. He was just trying to get to his way home, and he basically got off with stand your stand your ground law from Florida. Most recently, there was um, a white yeah. supremacist that was in a parking lot, and he was basically stalking um, a black woman and harassing her. And a man jumped in, and he shot the man, and he got off based on the stand your ground law. So these are things that. But, 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 but they gave him. I think they gave him twenty five. Did they? I mean, did they give him? Which guy? The black man. No, the black man got killed. He got killed. He got killed by the That's white supremacist. Crazy. The white supremacist was 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 harassing a woman, and then the guy stepped in, and then he got shot, and the guy got off because of the stand your stand your ground law in Florida. So it's things that we're still dealing with today, you know, especially in the atmosphere where we live in a situation where a lot of people are getting comfortable within their racism. Um, a lot of people say it's because of the presidency and things that are going on, and this is bringing light to a situation. Um, it's unfortunate what happened to this young man, and I think by bringing light to the situation, it would assist us to prevent these measures. Not only us people of color, but people of other races where they could understand one another and have better sense of communication instead of resorting to violence. That's what I said. How about you, teacher? <laughs> um, I completely agree. I do feel that, um, well, since Trump has been president, 
a lot of people have felt the liberty to just um, act on their, how would I say it? Hidden desires. <laughs> I guess, or if, if, they're, if they have a race issue, they feel so comfortable now where it's like, okay, well, you know what, there's someone who kind of sees the same point of view as I do, so let me just do it. And they've been getting away with it, and it's, and it's very, very sad. I mean, America has come a long way. There has been changes, and with everything that has been happening recently, it almost feels like we're backtracking. You know, and I think this is where, especially people of color, we need to collaborate and come together as a people. Um, it's the only way that we're going to be able to bring forth change, because even when you look at back in the 60s, when African Americans back then, when they were trying to make a change, they, they were together. They were allied together, and I think that many times as a black community, instead of like, um, working together and collaborating, you know, we're often against each other. And it's for the, the most petty things, you know, you see someone with a new pair of Jordans and it's like you want to kill them just to take those off their feet. And it's like, it's very sad. And I think that um, we need to open our eyes more about what's happening in the world around us and then just come together and just figure out a plan because if we're, uni if we're united, there will be change. You know, you notice that like with the lighter shade, whenever, if there's an issue, they stand firm and they get laws passed. You know, they go to the White House, they go to the Supreme Court or wherever they need to go, and they get laws passed. You know, the gays, they they stand united, they stand strong, and they and they're able to make change because they're they are a very strong body. And I think that as minorities, that's what we need to do. Or things are going to continue to happen around us. We're just going to sit back, we're going to cry, we're going to complain. We might have like a rally or a protest for a day, but then after that we sit our butts down and then nothing else happens. We're only mad temporarily, but we're not doing anything for the long run. I think as a people, we're easily distracted. Um, before, it was African-American rights and that transgressed into civil rights. And within civil rights, it seemed like every other minority group got more rights than blacks within that situation. That's a fact. And it seemed like we we were too busy defending the rights of other people that we basically forgot to defend the rights of ours of our own. Or so we forgot that we were treated as second class citizens in America until we was harshly reminded by the powers that be. And I think it's a awful rhetoric that keeps repeating itself over and over within America. Unfortunately. Um, shout out to Sejo Nash that just tuned in. Um, Sanders, what you think? Um, as a as as a preacher, as an activist, because you've been there at at several rallies, you know. Um, most recently for your friend Saheed. That's his name, right? Saheed? Yeah, Saheed, yeah. Yeah, most recently there and you know, there's that inspirational picture of you um kneeling down in front of the the candle. Shout out to Sophia Theo for for the check in. And you're there kneeling in front of the candles and you've given a prayer. That that picture was really, really positive. And I think that picture was strong in itself. It spoke a thousand words. Wow. Um, what's the feeling as um, one of the boots on the ground when you within? I think, I think um, unfortunately, a lot of people have different agendas. I think that people need to have a, a, a summit in regards to um, getting objectives across um not just having rallies they have their point understand but we need to also start having boycotts boycotts are very essential very important 
And I think that's what we need to do on a consistent basis. And I want to shout out Colin Kaepernick, who's brought an attention by himself saying, you know what, we're going to boycott the NFL. I'm not going to watch the NFL and everything like that. So salute to him and everything like that. And also to while we boycott, also too, we get legislators from the local level, from the mayor to the governor of changing laws, and from then they can go to federal and everything like that to pressure um, people like Trump and everything like that. Um, you know, we all can we could, we could we can all make a difference. We can we could all make change. But like I said, we need to start boycotting first with our dollars because the black dollar is powerful. We spend. We are the biggest consumers in America. Mm. You know what I'm saying. And we need to start investing in ourselves. And I think that's what we need to do as a people. Once we boycott, we have demands and we change laws. We are, we have the power. We are the people. We just need to use that in a more positive um, light. So that's what I would recommend and everything like that. Um, are we going in the right direction? Um, we could be doing more. You know, we could be doing more. Fortunately, you know, Obama kind of got us too comfortable for these eight years. You see what I'm saying, and the reality is the reality. So, like I said, we'll see what happens. But I feel like I feel like during Obama's presidency, there was the most black people killed on television or on camera than any other presidency, and I felt like it was, it was almost like a spit in the face. I think it's a reminder. It's a reminder to let us know. Listen, look, it, was, it was modern day lynching. Yeah, like like it's a reminder. Like, listen, you may have a you may have your 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 guy in the White House, but we're still in control, and I think that was the reminder. Um, for us, and um, I think we just need to wake up a little bit more. I feel like we we're up, but we're, I just feel like just, just a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? We're we're like she said. You know, we um, it's not us, but they're those that they want to go against each other as black people. You know what I'm saying? We gotta focus our attention. Like we gotta protect our woman. You know, mm. they're killing our woman. There are people that are missing. Yeah, there are black people right now that are missing that have not been found. They actually found a couple of bodies the other day. I don't know if you guys hear about that. Um, of black people that they were bodies were discovered and they were mutilated. How did that happen? Like we need to really wake up. Yeah. Speaking of that, I was speaking to someone about that today, and they said that almost every week or every month, I think he said every week or every month, over two thousand black people go missing, and more so, there's people that's hunting black people for the melanin. Yeah. For black body parts. We need to wake up. And and the sad part is there's cameras everywhere. People and need the to government wake. knows everything. So yeah. if these people are missing, then the government must be in on it. That's a fact. The thing is that we need to get strapped up and we need to protect our own at all costs and at all means necessary. Because it's real out here, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, the black woman that just got killed, um, that was an unfortunate situation. We need to protect all of our queens. Oh, you talking about the girl out in Michigan? I think? Yeah, yeah. Who was killed by the um, um the neo-Nazi KKK member? Mm -hmm. We need to also protect our children as well too, and we need to also um look out for our own because it's real out here. Like you know what I'm saying? I mean, these folks want to kill the Crips and these folks want to kill the Bloods. There needs to be an alliance where you know what I'm saying. Like my man said, George Zimmerman is still alive. Why is he still alive? That's a very good question. You see what I'm saying? He's bragging about it, and he's still stalking people to this day. Yeah, he sold that gun for hundreds it, of thousands Exactly. Of so we need to really, 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 really be on it, you know what I'm saying, in regards to as a people, you know what I'm saying, because it's real out here. But I would recommend, like I said, you know, the weaker vessels, you know, is the woman, you know what I'm saying, in regards to, you know what I'm saying, you know what I mean by that exactly. We need to protect our women. We need to protect our children. 
You know what I'm saying? We need to make statements as well, too. You see, if I was president of the United States, what would you do, Sammy? Yeah, I was president. Like, like, like Ulysses S. Grant. Like Ulysses S. Grant, which I, um, um, I, I really admired. Um, he would make sure that a lot of these KKK centers would be burned. All of these KKK centers would be burned and would be bombed if I was president of the United States. But they and took the, but they took off the white cloth and they put on different clothes. You know, they put those blue. Yeah, with the but I'm just saying, if I was on. president, you know, so that's why I, I, I miss a pastor. So, <laughs> but if I was president, all these KKK centers would be bombed. But how would you find these centers? No, they they're out there in the United States. Uh -huh. They would be bombed, and those who who um who have those um I wouldn't say bombed would be the best thing to do. They would have to be bombed, and and those and those and those who are involved in those organizations would have to be prosecuted. It's the same way like in Germany that it is an unacceptable to mention the name Hitler or to go hard for the Nazi party. Like Hitler's not mentioned in Germany at all because the thing is that you spewing hate. You feel what I'm saying? And what did the KKK do? The KKK they 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 target Jews, they target blacks, they want blacks to be lynched, they want them to be um castrated, burned, like there needs to be consequences for that. I'm being honest with you. You know, hey, you never know. May maybe I can run. Well, you never know, right? But yeah. like I said, in regards to that, at the end of the day, like, you know, those people need to be prosecuted and to be tried because they're killing innocent black people and they're taking innocent black lives for no reason. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And they are the biggest terrorists. And like, like Senator Booker said, Kamala Harris and... and um. <clears throat> Uh, um, Senator Mendez and Senator um, Senator Schumer, they are the biggest terrorists. Why are they not being targeted? Why are they not being investigated? You see what I'm saying? But that's when we have to get together as a people and we have to make noise in order for them to be investigated yeah. in order for, for change to happen. Because if it's happening to our people and we're quiet, then they think that it's okay because we're not doing things. Like I said, we'll get mad about it for the time being, you know, yeah. we'll complain, but we're not taking it an extra step. You know, there's not, con we don't have any consistent rallies, consistent marches. We're not going to the Supreme Court. We're not going to the White House. We're not writing to our senators. Yeah. We're not writing to the mayor. So it's like nothing is happening because we're not trying. You know, the civil rights leaders back then, they, they worked. They, they did the, the, the sit-ins. They did the boycotts. Yep. They, they marched. Okay. They went to Congress. Yep. They did everything that they had to do in order for change to happen. So it's not going to happen if we just sit there and we fold our arms and we get mad and we huff and puff and we cry. Yeah. You know, we have to make noise really, in, in order yeah. for things to start happening. Because it's survival. It's, it's life and death. And like I said, you know, God, like I said, I never would have thought that the situation would happen to Saeed. You see what I'm saying? Um, you see what I'm saying? So my thing is that, like I said, God forbid it's like any of our close friends is missing or let's say for example that um you find out that you know one of our friends who passed away because they took body parts mm -hmm. like you know what i'm saying but you find out you know when they do investigation they find like a lot of trash bags inside the body and everything like that these things these things are 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 are, are something like that's 
that's that's that's for real. So we need to really, really, really um, be on our guard because there's there's a war out there, man, towards our women. There's a war out there towards our children. It's psychological. It's mental. It's spiritual. It's all that. Like it's it's real out here. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to C. L. Starks. Um, once again, sadly, the unity that exists during the civil rights movement isn't as prevalent today for the most part. That's a fact. Um, it's because I think we lack solidarity where yeah. we are not unified. We allow many differences to come in between us. You know, light skin, dark skin, um, Brownsville, East New York, Canarsie, um, Jamaican, Haitian, Trinidadian, um, even Trinidad and Tobago. Some people are like, oh, I'm Trinidad, I'm Tobago. Like, they let all these differences come in between us, but when other people see us, they're like, okay, you're black. Yeah. They don't see the differences that we see within right. ourselves, but then we always doing things to social class within one another, and then all that does is separate us. Um, there's a famous African proverb, if there's no enemy be amongst us, then the enemy from outside can't get right. in. And a lot of times, we forget who we are, and with no knowledge of self, you're going to be lost all the time. Facts. And we're not listening to the elders that came before us that provide us with knowledge. Um, we're not reading these books and we're not writing our own books so therefore other people are writing these books and other people are rewriting our history and we're standing aside not doing anything about it with our hands out and we're living hand to mouth as in we have our hands out for something to put in our mouth and whatever they put in our hands that's what we put in our mouths so we basically receiving the crumbs and we're satisfied with that because a lot of people are basically satisfied with the life that they're living and they're not ready to take that step and get to the next level and i think a lot of our people i'll give you a perfect example um dave prescott or whatever his name is his last name is prescott he plays for quarterback for the dallas cowboys he said oh i'm about change i'm about um the future i'm about unity but i don't feel like um kneeling for the national anthem is the right place um during the football games because football is about fun and it's about family so um even though i'm about unity and i'm about, and I'm about change i don't i don't think that's right and it has no place so basically you're saying that okay um i want change but i don't respect the change that they're doing because i would just rather do my job and get paid and go home so if you're not going to be for the movement don't downgrade the movement because it's once you downgrade the movement of your own people, then other people are going to be like, it's okay to diss your people because you dissing your people first. And I think that's our biggest problem. We don't respect our own lives as black people, so it's difficult for other people to respect our lives. A black man is so quick to kill a black man, but when it comes to someone else of a different race, he's like, oh my God, I can't do that. And I guess that's what causes it. That's real. That's real. Man... Tonight was a good conversation about this. It was amazing. We, we need more of that, and we need to bring more awareness. So, like, guys, man, protect your wives, protect your sisters, protect your aunts, protect your mothers, protect your nieces, protect your cousins, protect our women, you know what I'm saying? Protect our children. And protect Philippe. And protect <laughs> Philippe. <laughs> No, that. <laughs> nah, that, that's a watch. I'm being funny. Yeah, facts. And protect, you know, protect our own because it's real out here. You know, there's a war out here. You know what I'm saying? There are there there are rules to white supremacy. We need to 
be alert and be awake, you know what I'm saying, and give back to our community. This is what we're doing. We're giving back to our community. We bring awareness. Mm. Two brothers are here, you know what I'm saying, making changes. So that's what we need to do on a long way. And, and also giving people exposure to speak about these things, which is beautiful. Mm. So closing thoughts, Sophia, before we close? Um, I pretty much agree with what Sanders just said, you know. We need to just stand by one another and protect each other as yes. a people. You know, we need to become more united. And if we see that there's an injustice being done or if there's something that we don't agree with, we need to speak up. We can't just sit, you know, we need to speak up and then try to work together in collaboration. Um, and we also have to start supporting one another. If it means supporting a black-owned business or if a brother or a sister is doing really well, just commend them on what they're doing, you know, praise them, give them those accolades, you know, we need to pick each other up and just continue supporting one another. And um, I think that, I think that's pretty much it. If we come together as a people, then better things will happen. Facts, facts. Um, I think our guest, Sophia Jean Well, for coming on the show today. Um, Thank you for having job me. And she educated people in the educational system. It's always a positive thing to, be, to bring bright, young, smart people to the show to educate the masses. Um, shout out to my co-host, Pastor Sandra Kamofo, who's being here with me. Um, shout out to all the viewers and the watchers that watched in today. I see a couple people came in late. Um, shout out to Jessica. Shout out to Eric that's always on the check-in. And shout out to... Hi, Mara. Oh, that's my friend Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. <laughs> so shout out to everybody that came in on the check-in. Um, like I said, and like Pastor Sanders said, um, we're doing a diaper tour. So we're doing something unprecedented that's never been done. We, we're trying to give away 60,000 diapers. Last year we gave away 2,000. This year we try to do 60,000, you know? So if you're trying to donate, www.gofundme.com backslash the real word. That's www.gofundme.com gofundme.com backslash the real word like what's behind me right now um we thank you all for watching you can subscribe to the youtube channel www.youtube.com backslash c for channel backslash the real word tv that's www.youtube.com backslash c for channel backslash the real word tv you can follow me on instagram rickstar1875 you can follow my co-host um, at Mr. Sander Camo. We thank you for watching. We thank you for joining us. And we see you Thursday um, on television. Sander's closing out with a prayer real quick. Father God, we ask that you may continue to help us to be aware of our surroundings. Help us to be aware of the times that we're living in. Help us to have urgency. Help us to have tenacity to spread this message um, of, of hope and love and also revolution, Father God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stay blessed up, prayed up, and read a book. Good night, people. Good night, guys.